0: So the conversation this morning is about the the scripture reference, the old is better. Some of us in this room are older than others. Fair enough? And, And some of us who are older than others, we really do like stuff that's older. And old is better. You read from the King James for Pete's sake. Yeah, I mean, you know. There aren't that many of us in the church building that even read from that on a regular basis because we realize that there's a translation in 20th century vernacular that seems to be a little easier for us to read. Nothing against the King James, I'm not putting it down, but I'm just saying we but the old is better. I remember my dad preaching all of his life, he preached 40-something years, and if that man quoted a scripture read from the Bible, it was King James. And the old was better for him. It just was. Um, I was thinking, you know, as this whole wedding thing unfolded this weekend, I was laying in bed yesterday morning. I woke up early and I was just laying there before I got up. And I started kind of rehearsing in my mind some of the things that we had gone through with Thomas in his life. It's a wonder the kid even made it to year 18, uh, all the stuff that we did. But but as I was reflecting on that, I also reflected on all the vehicles that I had owned during that 18-year period of time that he was with us. And there was one that especially stood out. Before I ever went into ministry and preaching in any way, I used to own a cabinet shop. And I was in the construction business, had a cabinet shop. And oh, by the way, I don't do any construction work or cabinet work anymore. Ask Huberto, he can attest to the fact that I'm not worth shooting. So you don't want me to do anything in your home except maybe come eat lunch. (laughs) But anyway, I remember I I, had purchased a 19, some of you will appreciate this. I had purchased a 1953 GMC one-ton pickup truck. You could haul half of the city of Montgomery, Alabama, on that truck, and it would not wait down the back end of that thing. It was an amazing truck. It was beautiful. And I thought to myself, wait a minute, I bought that truck in 19, eh, probably about 1984, 5, and it was a 51 truck, so it was only 30 something years old. And I'm like, this is 2019, and a 30 year old truck is in the 80s. And I'm like, well, I don't want a truck that's in the 80s, it's too new. You get what I'm saying? I like old stuff. I just have a fondness for old things. That's why I like Ray so much. <laughs> you can thank me later, brother. But, but I mean, we, we are kind of like that. And, and we really, honestly, most people, truthfully, if we're really honest with ourselves, we don't like change very much either. We just don't. I, I sat over here this morning, behind the Rinaldi's and I was able to hear the microphones. It was great because I sat right in front of it and I could hear it. I I usually sit about right in this area and I can't hear anything. And I've sat over here before and I sat back here. And I find it interesting that wherever I happen to sit in the auditorium, most of you seem to always sit in the same place week after week after week. And there's nothing wrong with that. And and I know none of you have your names on the pews and and that's where you have to sit but we are all creatures of habit. We are. We're creatures of habit, and we like things, and we like to do things the same way, and and we like when things don't change. I sat at a dinner table yesterday evening. There were four forks at my plate, (laughs) and I'm trying to figure out what am I supposed to do with four forks? Well, I figured it, it didn't take me long to, to... Now, I was smart enough to know, let's start from the outside and work in. That, some of you ladies know proper etiquette. You know what I'm talking about. Guys have a clue what I'm saying. But, but I started from the outside in, and I would eat something, and I would have it on my plate, and somebody would come along and snatch it away from me. Just about the time I was almost finished, they took it. And then there was a fork left, and they would bring something else, and I would use that fork. And Do you know how old that habit is? of eating with four forks when you have a four-course meal? That's old. But if you're going to have a proper dinner and you're going to serve multiple courses of, for, for, the, for the dinner, you have things. I have a picture of the menu on my phone. If some of you ladies would like to see it. I have no idea what I ate. <laughs> I have no idea. There were names of things. I have no idea what they were. But they all tasted really good. We don't like when things change. So there's this story, this thing going on in Jesus' world here. John's disciples, this is the Pharisees talking, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours keep on eating. And Jesus said, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he's with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and in those days they will fast. And then Jesus begins this parable. Because he has to address their concern for people not doing things the old way. Because it had been the tradition of the Pharisees for umpteen generations that they would fast. And there were very specific days and times and types of fast in their practice of their faith. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes along with his disciples and they're not following the old ways. What is wrong with you? So Jesus shares this parable with them. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch on an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins and the wine will run out and wineskins will be ruined. No one, no, he says no, when new, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine Wants the new, for they say, the old is better. I have a confession to make. I have no idea what good wine tastes like. Because I've never had a glass of wine in my life that tasted good to me. I can count on one hand the number of glasses of wine I've ever had that tasted good. As a matter of fact, I can count on this many fingers the number of glasses of wine I've had. Because I don't like that stuff. And I don't think that this is Jesus' expression to share with the world that the older wine gets the better it is. Because I hear people that are connoisseurs of the stuff that the older stuff really tastes better. I don't understand that. And you may be a great connoisseur and enjoy wine. And I'm not saying you can't do that. I'm just saying I have no idea what you're talking about. Because I don't know how it's supposed to taste. Good. But this has nothing to do with wine. This parable really has nothing to do with whether wine is good or bad. What Jesus is really trying to get these individuals and I believe us to understand is that things have to change. And you cannot expect to bring change into a world and do it the exact same way you've always done it. Does that make sense? There's a, a show that's on TV sometimes, Jeopardy. Any of you ever watch Jeopardy? It's on like 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I know, you're retired. What else you got to do? So we're going to play Jeopardy. What is doing the same thing over and over again, yet expecting different results? What's the answer? Insanity. Insanity. Yeah, that's what it is. That's a definition of insanity. Now, you won't find that definition in the dictionary (laughs) because I looked it up. And that's not in the dictionary, but that's kind of our new interpretation. Insanity is when you keep doing the same thing over and over again, but you expect a different result. And what Jesus is trying to get these individuals to understand who've asked him about this fasting thing, he's trying to get them to understand, look, guys, here's the deal. You cannot use and do things the exact same way we've always done it and initiate or bring about any change. And therefore, what I have selected to do, Jesus is saying, I have selected to do things a little differently. I'm not going to try to put the new stuff in with the old. I'm not going to try to take the new teaching that I have and go recruit a bunch of Pharisees who are so stuck in their ways that they will never understand anything that I'm saying. I have to have a new breed of men and women. Because unless you've forgotten, the greatest number of people who followed Jesus were women. They weren't men. Can I get an amen on Sunday? Yes. Yes. We sometimes have a problem in the churches of Christ about women and what they can do in the church, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. I might get fired after this sermon, but it's okay. (laughs) I'm telling you, Jesus needed those who were standing fussing and arguing with Him about this tradition of fasting and washing of hands and all the things that go He was trying to get them to understand, you cannot and I will not continue in the new teaching and try to place it in the hands of someone who always thinks old is better. Now you may be thinking, well, Ed, what in the world does that have to do with us today? Well, truthfully, I think it has a lot to do with us today. I remember um, some years ago, I heard a brother preach, don't remember the exact sermon, but I heard him preach, share this in his sermon. He said, you know, it used to be that in the little country churches, maybe even in city churches, I don't know. But back in the day before air conditioning came along in the country churches, they had the communion table. We have one in the back. It's just more convenient for us to serve the communion trays from the back. But they had the communion table in the front of the building. Any of you ever been to a little country church like this? Communion table's up front. Have any of you ever been to the communion table uh, to, the, to the church where that little table is up front and there's a white cloth laying across it and before they serve the communion the men would take the white cloth out. Any of you remember seeing that when you were little? Yeah, so there's this one particular church. They discovered air conditioning and someone had the audacity to actually install air conditioning into the church building. And when they s- installed air conditioning into the church building they stopped using the white cloth over the communion table. And half the church was in a a riotous uproar. They're like, what are you doing? You have to have the cloth over the table. It represents the body of Christ wrapped in the tomb. Well, where is that in the Bible? I mean, he was wrapped in a tomb in a cloth, but there's nowhere about the cloth being over the communion table. And one of the beloved sisters who was like 82 years old, she said, well, it doesn't have anything to do with Jesus. We're just trying to keep the flies out of the fruit of the vine. (laughs) Old is better. Old is better. We can't change anything because old is better. Jesus chose a different pattern. He chose to do something different. He didn't recruit any Pharisees. Now, he recruited some men and a handful of gals who did some amazing things in his ministry, but he didn't recruit any real leaders in the church, in the synagogue. There weren't any of those. So what path has this church chosen? So let's talk about this just a minute, okay? A few weeks ago, I wasn't here, but I was told by very reliable sources that we had a really, really cool sermon Brother Glenn taught on Wednesday night. Class, excuse me. He taught a class. The man doesn't know how to preach, but he is an amazing teacher, okay? Amen, amen, yes, yes. So he, yeah, so he taught a class and he he used an expression in his teaching that I think has some validity within our fellowship. It does, has validity within any church if you want to know the truth about it. He used an expression that we've talked about on how you determine what is to be done in a church. And he used the expression, we have commands, we have examples, and we have inference, technically necessary inference or something like that. You ever heard that before? If you weren't, if you don't, go back and watch the class. On Wednesday night or he'll teach it again. But I want you to think about this with me. Do you realize that we are pretty picky about what we choose to be commanded or, or an example that we're going to follow in that necessary emphasis? Do you realize that we're kind of picky about what we want to use in our church? Let me just give you an example. Brother Ron, a few minutes ago I read that verse of scripture from 1 Corinthians 16. Did you notice that? Did you notice that it says on the first day of the week they laid by in store as they had been prospered? What was the rest of that verse? So there would be no gatherings for when? When I come. I just have one question. When is Paul going to show up and take our money? I'm being a little bit facetious. I am. I understand it. And I think that there is an example that we can look at the New Testament church. They began to meet on the first day of the week. They didn't continue to meet on the Sabbath. It's obvious through the history of the church and in the New Testament era. If you read about it, the the disciples of Jesus began to gather on the first day of the week. Hence, we are here. And I'm all for it. And I'm all for taking up collection. But I wanted you to think about this with me. We take up a collection collectively and we put it into the treasury and and Mr. Wexler and some other, or uh, Kent, Mr. Wexler's brother, Wexler's over the, the preschool, but can't kind of make sure that money goes in the right places and writes the check and all that stuff. But, but what are you doing on your own? What, what are you doing on your own to help others in the world? There's another story, it's not a parable, it actually happened not too many hours before Jesus goes to the cross. He's with his disciples and they're eating. And he stands up and he takes a pitcher of water and a towel and he wraps it around his waist and he takes another towel and he begins to wash the the apostles and the disciples' feet. Any of you remember this story? Now what did Jesus say about doing that? I have given you what? An, An example that you would go and do likewise. So when is the last time you've been to a foot washing? I mean seriously, when's the last time you've been to a church where we had a good foot washing? Now here's, here's, here's our explanation. It's not expedient for us to have to do that because they walked around in sandals all the time and they had dirty feet. Have y'all smelled your feet lately? Some of us need foot washing even when we wear shoes. It had nothing to do with the smell. It had nothing to do with the dirt. It had everything to do with humility. Well, how come we don't do that? Jesus said, I'm giving you an example. Interesting, isn't it? There's another verse of Scripture, and you're not going to like this one either. If I'm not mistaken, the Apostle Paul made a statement, something to this effect. Oh, no man, what? Nothing except what? To love him. Good luck with that. Our brother Jason Clark, for the last year, year and a half, has been on a, uh, not a crusade, but he has been reminding us. He's reminding the teens right now in a class that he's teaching with our teenagers. He's been reminding us about what debt can do for us or against us or how it limits us and how it binds us and controls us because now we are indebted to someone A bank or a mortgage company, or to a car loan company, or to a credit card company, and we have an obligation to take care of those responsibilities, and it puts us in a different frame of mind some days. So I'm just going to throw this out here. You can throw it right back at me if you want to when church is over. I have broad shoulders, I can take it. Why in the world did churches ever decide it was a good idea to borrow hundreds of thousands? millions of dollars to build buildings. Well, the old is better. The old is better. After all, there have been church buildings around for almost 2,000 years. You know, it's interesting what happens when you get old books back that you haven't read in a while. Ever have that happen? Somebody gives you a book that maybe you loan to them and you haven't read in a long time, you decide you want to read it again. So a few years ago when I stopped preaching full-time in San Clemente, there was a guy preaching here at this church. His name was Steve Smith. Some of you know him? He came back here a couple of summers ago, spent three days with us. Remember that? <laughs> maybe, maybe six weeks, but you remember the situation, right? Well, when he went home, when he went back home to Alabama... He left this library. And guess whose books those were? Most of them were mine that I would given to him. And he didn't leave them because he didn't want them and he disliked them. He left them because he didn't have room in the truck to pack them up. When I saw him a few months ago in, in Decatur, I was visiting, He said, like, man, I wish I had all those books. And I thought about coming back here and boxing them all up and shipping them to him, COD. But I didn't. I just took them to my new house. And I picked up this book the other day. Any of you ever heard of Everett Ferguson? Everett taught at Abilene for years. He's, one of, he's truly one of the most profound experts in church history, especially relating to the first and second centuries. Remember member of the church, phenomenal teacher, speaker, preacher. He's written some great, great works uh, that all deal with the, the church in the earliest of years, especially the first and into the second century. And you know what I realized reading one of Everett's books the other day? There were not any church buildings in the first couple of centuries of the church. It wasn't until Constantine made his great conversion and adapted Christianity for him and for those In his domain in the world of the Roman Empire that we began to establish and build upon the need for us to have places of worship. Does that mean it's wrong to have this building? No, because the old is better. A few weeks ago, in preparing for this little series on parables, I did some research, and I looked at some publications that were put out uh, by Barna, big research in Christian the Christian World Research Group, and they had this article that listed the top 20 fastest-growing churches in America. And I went to all of those churches' websites, and you know the one thing that just jumped off the screen when I was looking at their websites? The one thing that was consistent across the board, all of them had a very thriving and a very active small group home ministry that was truly where... Most ministry and caring for members took place. The old is better. So we come to church at 1030. And we hear a sermon. We sing some songs. We share in the Lord's Supper, which is powerful. We even give. All I'm wanting you to think about with me today is that we might need to address some things that are old if we're really interested in this church growing. Because I am personally of the opinion that you can't keep doing the same things we've been doing and the church change. Now that impacts me that speaks in the pulpit occasionally, that impacts our song leader. That impacts those who participate in other areas of worship. It impacts our Sunday school teachers. And Oh, by the way, where in the world is Sunday school in the New Testament? There isn't any. Do you know there are some churches that really don't have Sunday school because it's not in there? Do you know there are churches that meet in the upper room to share the Lord's Supper because it is? I just want you to think about possibilities and move beyond just the old ways. So, I'm gonna throw this last one out there because I think we have to address it at some point in the future and not the very distant future. What are we gonna do with the women in our church? I just think we need to have a conversation about that. Amen. We have, as a tradition, had women teach Bible classes and all those kind of fun things but we don't really give them a lot of of the room and I know our women do some great things here I know they do and I commend you for it there are things that go on behind the scenes that I don't even know about many of you don't even know about because the women just do it isn't that amazing it is amazing But were you aware that there were prophetesses in the New Testament and there were deaconesses? That's plural women in the New Testament. And we're not comfortable with that in our fellowship because we've just had this old path we've always followed. That's just what we've been. And I'm not suggesting we throw the baby out with the bathwater and just shoot our nose off and spider our face. I'm not suggesting that at all. But I do believe we need to reconsider the old paths. Jesus purposefully chose to go in a different way than all of his predecessors had gone because he knew if he put new wine into old wineskins, it would blow up. And he knew he couldn't take that patch that was new and place it on the old because when it's washed and rinsed and they repeat it, it shrinks and it rips it all to shreds. It just doesn't work sometimes. So we collectively as a church need to think about where God needs us to be working in this community and how he needs us as a church to be communicating. And that is evident sometimes in who and how we do ministry. So what could that look like? What could that look like? No one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. I'm asking you and encouraging you to look deep down inside of your heart and consider how adamantly are you holding on to that which is old just because it's comfortable. And what are possibilities? Where can we go? What can we do? How can we reach more people? Because you see, I'm a firm believer that that the message of Jesus was not, here's how you do worship. That was not his message. I have news for you. If Jesus and God the Father writing through the inspiration of those men who wrote the Word of God called the New Testament, when the Holy Spirit inspired them, if God had needed for us to have an absolute way that we're supposed to do church, I think he could have had them write it down. Cuz he tried that once. It's called the Old Testament. <laughs> have you read the book of the books of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus and Numbers? I think there's a law there. I think it was called the law of Moses. And I'm not saying throw everything out. I'm not implying I just want us to be a church that is not so absolutely connected and insistent upon the old path that we miss the opportunity that's before us. Make sense? So like I said, after this sermon, if you want to fire me, that's okay. But I don't think you will because I truly think this church, this church realizes that we can't do things the old way all the time, the way we've always done them and expect anything to change. That truly is a definition of insanity. So Brennan is going to come and lead us in this song. How great is our God? I have news for you. He's amazingly great and greater than all that we can ever imagine or think. And he can do things that are more uh, impossible for us, that are possible for him that we couldn't even begin to imagine. He can make all grace abound to us so that in all things we have everything that we need for every good work. That is not a maybe. That's his word to us. So what would you like to do? And where would you like to go? And where and how can we reach more people in this world? The mission of Jesus was not to establish church order. The mission of Jesus was to seek and to save who? The lost. That's why he came. That's why we are his children. That's why we are his disciples, his followers, his believers. Not to come here on Sunday and hear a sermon and sing a few songs and give it a little money in the tray and take the communion. That's not what it's about. It's about seeking and saving the lost. Now I almost started to close the sermon with this. If you're interested in seeking and saving the lost, stand. But we're going to sing this invitation song and everybody stands anyway. So I'm just going to have all of you stand. Let's sing this song and encourage one another. If we can help you in any way this morning, we invite you to come to the front. Let's pray with you. How great is our